Well, welcome today to Life Church. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. That's not a new drink at Starbucks, but uh, uh, rather that's actually a minor prophet in the Old Testament. Habakkuk gets paid uh, 700 in my Bible, if that helps you at all. Or you can start at the book of Matthew and go back about 20 pages and you'll find it. Habakkuk chapter 2. We're going to get there in just a minute. We're beginning a six-week journey today. I've been talking about this, of how we're going to leave shore, kind of take the big boat. We're going to go out to some deep waters, begin an adventure uh, and, uh, and really swim in some, in some deep waters that I think are going to really challenge us individually and also just as a group of people, as a body, uh, as, as a church. And as we do, I want to I throw this question up. It's not going to be on the screen, but it's just something for you to ask yourself. It's something that I've been kind of contemplating and processing. It's something that from conversations that I have with people in, in, in hallways and over coffee that, that comes up from time to time. But here it is. What would happen if I truly surrendered everything to God? What would happen in my life if I truly surrendered everything to God? What would happen? What would my marriage look like? What would my business look like? What would my finances look like? What would my life look like if I truly surrendered everything to God? And you may say, hey, 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 slow your roll a little bit. I mean, I'm at church, right? I mean, I'm, I'm at church, and I mean, and this for somebody else. I'm not talking about whether you're going to heaven or not, or whether you believe in Jesus or not, or you got a personal relationship. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I think, though, I think there are many times, I think in a weekend service, you're thinking about what happened last week. I think some of you may be doing a few Sudoku puzzles through the services. Okay. I see you from time to time. I think, someone's like, oh, it's me. Um, I think there are times where you're thinking about what you're going to eat or the meal that you missed. I'm with you. I'm preaching sometimes, and I'm thinking about, I'm just teasing. But I think there's a lot of things that we think about. But I think sometimes there are these streams of consciousness that come by, and we think about this. What would my life look like? What would my marriage, what would my home, what would my business, what would it look like if I just had this reckless abandonment to the will of God? If I just laid everything down, and some of you go, oh, come on, man. I mean, you're, you're talking about like idealism, and I gave that up a long time ago. No, no, no. I'm talking about what would it look like if you surrendered everything to Jesus? D.L. Moody, the great evangelist from Chicago, years ago, made it, put it, said it this way. The world has yet to see a man whose life is truly surrendered to God what that man can do. The world has yet to see a man whose life is truly surrendered to God, what that man can do. David in the Old Testament, as they're getting ready to build the temple in the Old Testament, that build this house for God, in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 5, says it like this, Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Who is willing, he's speaking to the church, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? See, this Heart for the House, this series, it's about what God wants to do in and through your life, first and foremost. It's really about you. Secondly, in this series, it's about what God wants to do in and through Life Church. We as a community, as a body of Christ, as a local community of believers, it's a journey to discover, to define, to, to activate God's vision for our lives individually as well as, as corporately. Heart for the house, as with anything great, always begins with vision. I love the subject of vision. 
And, and, and a couple of quotes that, that, that are just favorites of mine. One is Oswald Chambers, where he says, Eyes that look are common, but eyes that see are rare. Aristotle said it this way, that a soul never thinks without a picture. And I love what Andy Stanley says, that everybody ends up somewhere, but a few people end up somewhere on purpose. The key, vision. So for us and for our conversation this weekend and for the next six weeks, let me give you a working definition for vision for us. Vision is a clear picture of a preferable future. Vision is a clear picture of a preferable future. One more time. Vision is a clear picture of a preferable future. Where we want to go. Have you ever looked at your checkbook? Have you ever looked at your life? Have you ever looked at your job and went, man, I'd prefer a different future? Right? You ever looked at your car and said, I wouldn't mind upgrading this? And, 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 and you feel frustrated because you know what you want, but you can't seem to get there. And the question is, what's your vision? What's your picture of a preferable future? And many people will respond, well, I just want to get out. I just want to fix it. Well, that's not a vision. That's desperation mixed with frustration. You know what I'm talking about? That gets you nowhere. But God wants to give you a clear picture for your life, first and foremost of a preferable future, of what he has in store for you. See, I think sometimes people, people misunderstand this, that when you come to faith in Christ, God has a plan for your life. What is that plan? And it doesn't matter if you're 13 or you're 35 or you're 106, God has a plan for your life. And the question is, are you going to be fully surrendered to do his plan, or are you going to do it your way? Are you going to take the, the destination of his plan, I'm wanting to get here, and instead of doing it his way, you're going to try to do it your way, which is total frustration if you've ever tried that. Or is it a situation where you go, you know what, God, I believe that you have a plan for me. Well, how can you be so, so certain he has a plan? Because the Bible says that, that God delights and, and, and giving us the desires of our heart, that, that God has given us desires, that there are, are, are inclinations, that there are things that are pure and holy and good. And, and, and as long as we're in him and he's in us, we can ask we will and it'll, it'll happen. Not like some cosmic ATM where it's a process, but at the same time, God has put something in your heart. He's put a, a place. He's put a position. He's put a business. He's put a, he's put a lifestyle. He's put something in you that there's something in you that says, this is what I am created to do. For me, it's passion at the local level. This is, the, I'm, this is my dream job. I can't, I, I, I'm amazed that I get paid to do what I get to do. And if money was no issue, I would do what I'm doing. And if money was an issue, I would do what I'm doing. Because I, Aaron Cole, am created to passion at the local church. I'm not created to be a denominational leader. I'm not created to be an evangelist. I'm not created to be a missionary. I'm created a pastor at the local church. This is what God has called me to do. And when God first called me to do this, this was not what I wanted to do. Just to be really honest with you, I wanted to do, I wanted to be an evangelist. I wanted to come in, speak on the weekends, do my thing, and then jet out. Because I didn't, I didn't want to mess with people. Does that help you at all? Anybody? No, yeah, all right. I'm just being honest. Because that's the hard work, right? What I get to do on the weekends, man, this is the cake and the ice cream. I love this. People go, why do you preach so long? Because I'm having so much fun. Man, it'd be fun for you, but it's a blast for me. So, and it cuts way down on my counseling bill, right? Not my counseling bill, but me laying on the couch telling, talking my problems to somebody else. So the reality is, is that, is that in that process, God asked me, though, to surrender to him 
and to trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways who God directs your path. Because there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. But he who finds God finds life. So I said, okay, God, not my will, but your will. And it's this amazing, fulfilling, visionary, dream-infused journey. Well, well, you know, that's just really idealistic and that kind of a deal. And I've just had life kind of kick me in the teeth. And, hey, join the club. Look, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said I was crazy and insane, I'd be like Donald Trump rich. You know what I'm talking about? Like fat, nasty, loaded. I mean, I mean, I have had more people tell me what's in my heart can't be done, and this won't work, and that won't work. I've been talked about to my face and behind my back. I, I've heard it from here, there, wherever. I've had people question. I've had people pry. I've had people probe. I live in a glass house. I'm a pastor for crying out loud. Everybody has an opinion about what I should say, do, wear, go, eat, how I style my hair. Oh, you cut your hair. Oh, you let your hair get grown out long. I want to be like Jesus. I don't know. It's all of that, right? So the deal is, but, but, but in the end, it's not about that. Because life itself, listen to me, life will try to shrink you like a pair of Levi 501 button fly blue jeans. Try to shrink you down. Try to pull you down like saran wrap and mold you into its image. And if you will say no to that, to the work of the enemy, and you will say yes to God, God has a preferable picture for your future of your life that aligns with the desires that he's put in your heart. And guess what? Along with those desires, he's given you the abilities, you may not even realize it yet, to accomplish those things. Because we read that stuff in Scripture and we go, is that for me? Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Does that really mean all things? Right? I can, if I have the faith of the size of a grain of a mustard seed, which is very, very small... I can speak to the mountain and say, be cast into the sea, and it will. Do I really have that kind of power? Jesus says, I go to the Father for you, and so because I go to the Father for you, greater things shall you do. Can I really do greater things in Jesus? Is that really what he meant? Yeah. I didn't write the book. But God has a preferable future. He has a vision. He has a plan for you. Now, without that plan, the Bible says you die. Says it. I didn't write it. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people die. If you have no vision for your finances, you're out of money. You have no vision for your marriage, it will crumble. You have no vision for your children, they will not flourish. You have no vision for your job, your vocation, your work, you will wind up in a dead-end job trading days for dollars. You have no vision for your health, you will erode it away and become sick. You have no vision for a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, you will wind up being a Sunday morning Christian or at best go to church on Christmas and Easter and or completely fall away from the church because somebody did you wrong. But when you have a vision, when you have a, preferred, a picture of a preferred future, then you know what you're going for. And it gets you through the rough days. It gets you through the bad days. It gets you through the critics. And can I just tell you, they've never built a statue for critics. Of all the statues that have ever been built in the eschaton of time and, and, that, and that remain on this planet, there's never been one built for a critic. Always built for those who were criticized. So how does vision work? If God has a preferred future for me, then what does the Bible say and how does it work? I'm so glad you asked that question. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 2 and 3. Let's read this together. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 2 and 3. Then the Lord answered me and said, 
write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. It's got to be pretty big to read and run at the same time. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Look back at that real quick. The Lord answered, write the vision, make it plain, and the vision's for an appointed time, and though it tarries, it will surely come. Let me give you a couple of principles of how vision works real quick. Vision, first of all, is given. Vision is given. God is the giver of vision. God, the creator, created you and I, his creation, and he hardwired every one of us uniquely. We all have a different DNA. We all have a different thumbprint, fingerprint. We are all uniquely made and wired and designed for a reason, the Bible says, we were born and brought on this planet. God has a vision for you. How do you? You allow him to give it to you. You just simply say, God, what is it? Habakkuk said, then the Lord answered me. He answered what? His question. God, what do you want me? What do you want to do? God, how do you want to do this? Lord, how are you going to make this happen? What's your vision? Simply ask, and God will give you that. Vision is secondly, it's written. We see there that it's written. He says, write it down. Make it plain on tablets. And we're not talking about a five-page manifesto that's single space, that's at six you know, point font. We're talking about just a simple declaration. Billboard. Think billboard. You know, not like, well, no, 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 it's just, here's the big idea. It's kind of like Life Church. We're about life change. We're about seeing people far away from Christ come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're about seeing people who are in faith in Christ that come into our faith community be activated in their God-given gift in their area in order to use that for the kingdom of God. And so it's all about life change. Real simple. So what is it for you? For me, it's the pastor at the local level. What is it for you? See, I can read that and run at the same time. So he says, write it down. Do you know Harvard did a study and 86% of its graduates through their MBA program who graduated, who wrote down their goals, first of all, accomplished them uh, at, a higher, at a remarkably higher percentage rate than those that did not, and they made more money than those that were in the same field. You go writing it down, there's something about putting it on print that clarifies it, that makes it crystal clear and crystallizes that vision to become something that's just kind of a fog and a mist to something that has a clarity and a concentration and a focus to it. He says, look, let the vision be declared. Let it be declared. So, so, so don't just have this vision and write it down, but make it big, make it plain. Let it be declared of what it's supposed to be. Declare it, say it, put it, in, put it out there. And then he says, let vision be faithed. I know that's not a real word, but just work with me, okay? I was educated in Arkansas. It, it, let it be faithed, which means, he said, he said it, it, it's for an appointed time. It means it's going to be a process. It's going to take you 20 years to become an overnight success. Does that make sense? We live in a day and age where everything is instant. And there's a value to what's called delayed gratification, to sacrifice today for tomorrow. Because when you do that, there's a certain enjoyment, there's a certain fulfillment. That's the way God's processed us that and, and created us that way. And so the reality is, is that it's faith. You have to believe. And I'm not asking for pie in the sky, but I'm saying you've got to believe of what God's put in your heart that he's going to bring to pass, that he's going to do it, that he's going to make it happen. You go, but you don't understand, Pastor, it's so big. I do. I'm just telling you, he that's began a good work, the Bible says in you, is faithful to complete it. But you have to have faith. Because what's the opposite of faith? Fear. How many people do you know at your workplace, live in your neighborhood, that live in your world, 
Walk around like Chicken Little, the sky's falling. I mean, if you watch the news for 30 minutes a day, it will just, you just want to go to a cave and just get ramen noodles and rice and beans and just try to eke out a survival, right? Because it's just everybody, oh, 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 oh. it's tough out there. I get it. It's always been tough out there. But, 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 but does God's principles stop because it's tough in the economy? No. They work. Listen, if the U.S. economy stops, which is one, okay, I'm filtering right now. If the U.S. economy stops the principles of God's word, then what are we doing here? Seriously, we should all leave here, go to Cracker Barrel and have biscuits and gravy. I'll buy. I mean, I'm just telling you, we're wasting our time. But the reality is it's true. The Bible says God is not a man that he would lie, and that his word is yes and amen, which means you can go to the bank every single time. It's faith. Vision is realized. Vision is not something that's just pie in the sky. There comes a day where the faith becomes sight. There comes a day where what God spoke to your heart becomes a reality. Now, let me give you a simple illustration to illustrate how vision works. This is very, very simple, but maybe it'll help you. Um, Tammy and I, when we were first uh, uh, starting out in youth ministry, we... um, we, we, we're sun and sand kind of people. We love to go to the beach, to the ocean. I know that's why God took us, brought us to Milwaukee. You do know Milwaukee's one of the largest coastal communities in America, though, right? Lake Michigan. I'm not joking. That's how they do, declare Milwaukee. I know. It's like, wow. Anyhow, so, but they do read Coastal Magazine. They'll tell you that. So, we, when we were starting out youth ministry, we, we didn't have much money. She worked as a receptionist at a, a local print company, and I was working as a youth pastor. And, you know, I mean, it was just, you know, we rented a little house. I mean, we, we just, you know, remember those days where you just didn't, right? Maybe some of you go, remember, I'm living it. Okay, so we're there, and that's where we were. And, and we were, the goal was to get to the beach, okay? And so the deal was, is there was a, a little beach house in Gulf Shores, Alabama, which you've never been the white, white beaches of Gulf Shores. It's beautiful, and uh, just this little beach house that we knew we could rent for $75 a night. And uh, this little house. And we could go to, uh, to the grocery store, buy groceries, get gas, everything. It cost us about 1000 bucks to, to pull off a vacation. And so what we did was we didn't have $1,000. Uh, and, and, and we weren't going to swipe our way to happiness. Because who wants to sit on the beach going, great, I hope everybody's having fun. How am I going to pay for this? And so, um, so the deal is is um, we, we said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Our, our vision is this beach vacation. So the vision's given. We want to go to the beach, right? I told you this isn't real deep, but I think it'll illustrate it. And so we took out a legal envelope, and we wrote on the legal envelope, beach vacation. So we wrote our vision down, right? That means that's where I'm going. And, and, then, and then what we did was we declared our vision by calling up the guy who owned the little beach house and said, hey, June 15th, we're going to be there for a week. And then we put it on our calendar. Her calendar, my calendar, I ask off for work, she asked off for work, we got it cleared. And then every single week, we knew what it took us to get to that beach house was 52 weeks at $20 a week. So every week we take $20 bill and we put it in that envelope. Because we were going to do everything with cash, put it in that envelope. And that was my faith becoming sight every week. And there were weeks where that 20 bucks, I'm just telling you, was like, I could have spent it a lot more better places than that, that, that envelope. There were times where that envelope got, had a couple hundred bucks, and I thought, hey, you know, Daddy could use a new TV, right? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's some other things I could do with this. Do we really want to go? No, the vision is the beach. Go back to it's the summertime beach house, right? It's that whole deal. And I just would think of myself hearing that, 
Summer breeze makes me feel fine. I'm just back there just like, oh, yeah, this is good times, right? And not a care in the world. And, and, and I'm just thinking I'm, I'm going to get there. And so every week we put that back. And there were weeks where it was ramen noodle weeks. You ever been there? Well, man, you didn't, I mean, you, you didn't have the money to go. We're not talking about go out, like, to Fleming's. I'm talking about, like, go to McDonald's. You know what I'm talking about? You were putting that $20 back, putting that $20 back. And I'll never forget then at, at that June 15th, 1040 bucks in cash. This is what we need. Jumping that little, man, we had a little Cutlass Oldsmobile, red velour interior. I know you're jealous, aren't you? White four-door, bought it for $4,000 with little spoke wheels. And we (laughs) drove that car to the ocean and pulling up there and sitting there and just going, "Ah," our faith became sight. Vision, tight works. Whether you're trying to get a little summer vacation, whether you're trying to, to accomplish and, and, and start a new business, whether, you're, whether, God, what do you have your plan for my life? Uh, what, 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 if it's spiritual, if it's physical, if it's whatever, that's how it works. That's how vision works. It's what Habakkuk says. It's given, it's written, it's declared, it's faith, it's realized. Well, how do I know of the vision I have in my heart from God? Let me give you three questions or three statements about that that I think will help you. One is God's vision is always bigger than me. Whatever the vision is in my life, I'm not talking about the beach vacation now, it's always bigger than me. If God's asking me to do something with my life, it's going to be bigger than me. It's going to take me having to trust him. You understand? It's something I can't just write a check. I can't just, I can't just do this. It's beyond my ability to do. It's bigger than me. It, it, it's a little uncomfortable. It's, it's a little sweaty palms. It's a little bit like, hey, am I really hearing from God or is this a bad burrito? I mean, come on, I'm just telling you right now. Uh, there are times I'll preach on a weekend and I'll walk off the platform and I'll go back to the, to the green room and I'll be like, oh my goodness, I hope that I heard from God on that one because the things that you say under the anointing, I'm just telling you, you're just like, oh God, you're going to have to show up now because I wrote a check that God, I hope you can cash because I can't cash it. You ever been there before? Okay, so the reality is, but that is bigger than you. Listen, if the vision you have for your life, you can tell me how you're going to do it, I'm sorry. That's a goal. I need to lose five pounds? Don't eat for a week. There you go, right? I'm telling you, from one gut brother to another, I'm telling you how to lose five pounds right now. Just don't eat for a week. Your body will shut itself down. But if you're trying to do something that's beyond your ability to do, you got a vision from God. Second thing is, and oh, let me, let, let me give you this verse. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. It's a double adjective. It's trying to prove a point. Above all that we can ask or think. What's the biggest thing you've ever asked for? Above that. What's the biggest thing you ever thought and dreamt about? Above that. It's what he says. Above all we can think or ask. According to the power that works in us. So God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above the greatest thing you've ever thought about, the greatest thing you've ever asked for. And the power, and where does it come from? It's the power of God that works inside of us. Why? Jesus Christ, who lives in our hearts and into our lives, has a power, that resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead, Paul says, is now alive in you and in me. So when you say God's vision is always bigger than me, that's it. It's something that I have the ability to believe for. Let, let me talk to you crusty Christians for just for a minute. Those of you that have been saved 10 years or longer, 
You've been around a long time, and, it's, and I see this faith out in new believers. But at a certain point, we go, well, I just, you know, I've been around. I just, and I just, no, 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 no. You're missing the point. The point is, is that God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can think or ask. God wants to go beyond anything that you can imagine. God wants to take you to higher heights. Then why doesn't that happen so often, Pastor Aaron? Because at the end of the day, it's us. We've shrunk it down. We've pulled it down. We've, we, 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 we've buttoned it down and said, this is all we can do. And we've let the critics of our life tell us why it can't be done and how it can't be done and all the people that have failed and all the people that weren't successful and how nobody in our family's ever done that. And who do you think you are? It's like crabs in a barrel. We're just going to pull everybody down because if I can't get out of the barrel, you're not going to get out of the barrel, right? Mm, Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Instead of saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things means, you know what that means in original Greek? All things. I know that's deep, but just hang on to that for a minute. Uh, you know, that I'm going to overcome. By what? By the blood of the Lamb, which is what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and the power of my testimony. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, just speaking of things that are not as though they are. That's not crazy. That's the faith because it's built upon the Lord. Second thing, when you know a vision or a dream is from God, is that God's dreams or visions are impossible to accomplish without his help. He has to help you do that. God loves this. I'm just telling you, God, the Bible says he takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. If you're all that, you don't need God. That's why the reason why the Bible says it's harder for a rich man to enter to the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why? Because if I got everything I need, what do I need? Until you realize that your money can't buy you anything. So you realize that your money eventually will, will, will run out. So you realize that you can amass everything in this world and yet be lonely and empty and lost. But when God gives you a dream, that takes him to make it happen. And the third statement is, is that God's vision is compelling. God's vision is compelling. You don't, listen to me, when God gives you a vision, <laughs> It's like a weed, man. It's going to grow. It's just something. It, it will keep gnawing at you, keep knocking at the door of your heart. It will keep persistent, persistent. Some of you, as I'm talking right now, I mean, you're going back because you know. You know where you are. You know what God's called you to do. And the reason why you're frustrated and the reason why you're depressed and the reason why you're upset is because you didn't do it his way. And now you're off and you're thinking to yourself, how do I get back on? And some of you are going, well, what would my life really look like if I was completely surrendered to God? That's kind of scary. So I don't really want to think about that. Because I'm just going to tell you, when people tell me that Christianity is boring, I go, dude, you are not serving the same God. You've got religion. And I've been to some of the religious services, and they are boring as homemade soap. And I'd almost want to take hell on myself and go to church at some of those places. No, I mean, I'm just telling you the truth. But the reality is, is when you're following Jesus Christ, it means that I lay everything down to follow him. That's the most exciting. That that, 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 that means complete trust. It pulls me. It compels me. It draws me. So as you're processing what that means for you, let's talk about what that means for us as we come into this new year, this 2012. I love the story of Life Church because it's a story, it's an ongoing story of faith becoming sight of God taking the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, of God doing what everybody said couldn't be done and making it happen. I love the story of Life Church because it's the story of, of a compelling vision. It's a story that's bigger than people. 
It's a story that only God could write. You know, you, you look at the history of the church, and it was started in 2000 with 35 just fiery line chasers that met at Germantown High School and left a very comfortable church. And the number one reason why they started this church, and it was blessed by the church that they, come, they, they came from, the pastor there had a vision to see something happen in Germantown. The number one reason why they came, because they were told they would see more people come to faith in Jesus Christ than they'd ever seen in their life. I love sitting down with those 35 people and saying, have you seen that? Do you know there's not a weekend that goes by that people don't give their life to Christ? Do you know there are dozens of people that have already given their life to Jesus Christ just since the beginning of the year? Let me tell you why. Because those 35 people planted seed and said, I'll be willing to step out and believe God for something that's bigger than me, something that only God can do, because it's drawing me, because that's what his word says, to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. That is why people get saved every weekend at Life Church. It's not me. It's the seed of the soil that this church was planted upon. That 35 people grew to 100. They moved here. They leased 4,000 square feet. And the size of the, of, of the lease space was smaller than the, than, than the sanctuary size at the Germantown campus. In the fall of 02, they invited Tammy and I to come. Uh, just to, a bunch of two southern kids to move here from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'll never forget coming here, knowing what God had placed in my heart and in Tammy's heart. We felt like we were supposed to pioneer, plant a church, develop a work in a suburban setting in a major metropolitan area. Milwaukee's the 19th largest city in the country. That's something God put in my heart when I was 18 years old in high school. I didn't even realize it at the time. But about going, there are 39 metropolitan areas in the United States that have a population of a million or greater. And there was something to me that said, that's where I want to go. And I remember as a high school kid, I gave money for a year for Northeast Urban Church Planting, 25 bucks a month, every month to Owen Carr to see a church planted in the Northeast. And I was sowing seed for what God was wanting to do in my life. I didn't even realize what all I was doing at the time. But that's what was in our heart to do. And so God knit our heart together with those hundred people. We sold our home, moved here. And I came here and, and man, and there were, there were 100, 150 folding chairs. It's what the room would hold. And I remember when I first got here, two families left. I mean, great church growth, right? Two families left. And here's the reason why they left, because they thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy. I thought God was crazy. I was like, Lord, I, I'm, I hear you in Boca Raton, Florida, but Milwaukee, and I don't care who says it's coastal. It's cold, right? And moved here in, in, in December. And, uh, and one guy, uh, before he met with me, before he left, he said, listen, there's no way you're preaching too good. I'll never forget him telling me this. You're preaching too good, and you must be getting your messages online and printing them off and coming to the platform. Well, I wasn't, and I got up from the little desk that I had. It was this little Walmart desk all kind of caved in on one side, kind of a little junky desk. I walked around, and I shook his hand, and he's looking at me like, what are you doing? I said, sir, I can tell you that I'm not getting my message on, online. I mean, I, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, but, 
but I've never been complimented that way. You think that stuff is that good? I'm, thank you. Thank you. He looked at me like, you are crazy. Not the first person, the last person. I was crazy. Left the church. And we just kept preaching. We just kept believing. We just kept serving. We just kept going. We just kept trusting. And, and, and so that spring in 2003, we had $20,000 in the bank. And we knocked down the wall. And we said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take all twenty grand and we're going to expand. And there were other people that left the church because they thought we were crazy. I can't believe you're putting the last dollars of the church into a building that you don't own. And I kept saying, it's not about a building. It's never been about a building. We're investing dollars and we're going to create more seats. And it's like, it's like there's more, more jars that God's going to fill. And these seats, God's going to fill. And I remember telling people, hey, I know we've only got 100 people, but if you'll buy a seat for you and you'll buy a seat for someone who's yet to come to Christ, we'll believe that God will fill those seats. So if you're, one, if you're single, buy two seats. You know, if you're, if you're a, a, a couple, buy, buy four seats. If you're a family of four, buy eight seats. Your family is six by 12 seats. If you're a family bigger than, than, than six, God help you. But I need you to buy all these seats that you can. And, and, and of the seats that you're sitting in today, those of you at the Germantown campus, 250 of those seats were original seats that were bought by the 100 people. Now, four times a weekend, those seats are filled. It's an amazing, amazing testimony to see what God's doing. And then as, we, as things went along, we began to look for property. And God blessed us with these 12 acres here on this, on this prime property at a prime price at a prime place. It was appraised at $4 million. We bought it for $1.75 million. And, and, and part of that was we, we bought a, what was then the biggest bar in town. And I remember coming here on Saturday nights praying and asking God, God, would you expand, would you increase Lord, Lord, the church size here at Germantown, would you increase it so that, that the, the way the parking lot looks on Saturday night when the bar's full and everybody's hopping and going, that, that, that our church, that our parking lot would look that way. Little did I know that God would do it four times every single weekend. And we added a Saturday night service. And we kept growing. And in 2008, we were able to get the bar. And what was used for hooking up and getting drunk now is used to train up young men and women to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Just like, you know, just young kids, elementary kids, junior high kids, high school kids, hundreds of kids every single week go through that facility, go through the student center, and they're trained up to be men and women of God. And, 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 and we, then we were able to, to develop and get 400 seats. And then we added a second Saturday night service. And then I say, hey, man, we are, there's no way we're going to have the room enough to contain this. Let's go to the West Campus. And, and so last year, in, in 2011, we were able to launch the, the West Campus, which is averaging 192 people. That's actual rear ends in the seats every week, uh, every single weekend that are there. I had a guy say, hey, is that thing you're doing over there in the movie theater, is it still going? The church you, you're talking about? Yeah, whatever you call it. And I wanted to say, yeah, it's bigger than yours, but I didn't want to go that far. But I'm just saying, I just sit there and go, you know, if I had a dollar every time somebody said I was crazy, if I had a dollar every time somebody said, the way life church is doing it will never work. I'm telling you, I would be a rich man. And I would have been a fool to listen. Because as I sit back, I realize this is all about life change. It's not about life church. It's all about me every single weekend serving up the bread of life hot and fresh to build the believer and serve the seeker. It's all about you doing exactly what Philip did to Peter. And that is just saying, come and see this man named Jesus Christ who changed my life, investing in people relationally and inviting them to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the reason why people come to faith every single weekend. That's the reason why there's seven weekend experiences that are full. That's the reason why we top out at 1,500 and we're averaging over 1,000 at the Germantown campus. It's not because of bricks and sticks. It's not because there's 
beautiful chalet of Bavarian Alpine-esque architecture in which we sit. It's about what God's doing. And it's about what God wants to continue to do. Because the preferred future of Life Church is not a full house. It's changed lives. And those seats just simply represent another changed life, and another changed life, and another changed life, and another changed life. And I got news for you. We're not just called to reach Germantown. God is setting this church up to reach the city of Milwaukee. So I want you just to take a few minutes with me. And I want you to see where God is taking us and how he's going to accomplish this as you watch this video. I'll never forget a statement that Bill Hybels made years ago at a leadership conference. He said, the local church is the hope of the world. And after years of ministry, I've come to find that he was absolutely right. What did Jesus say to the disciples right before he left the earth? He said, now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm a firm believer that we are the salt of the earth, that we are a city on a hill, that we are the hope of the world. For God has a tremendous heart for His house, and we have the urgent opportunity to build it right here in Metropolitan Milwaukee. It all started 11 years ago, when a group of men and women with the same heart for the house took a bold step to see Life Church become a reality. And in September of 2000, 35 people gathered in the Germantown High School cafeteria as Life Church was officially launched. From there, we moved to the Germantown Center to lease 4,000 square feet of space. A few years later, we added another 6,000 feet of lease space, completely renovating the shopping center. And in 2006, after looking at over hundreds of pieces of property, we were given the opportunity to purchase the almost 12 acres that we are currently located on, which included an additional 10,000 square feet that we know today as a student center. This property was appraised at the time for over $4 million but we were able to buy it for $1.75 million. After another renovation, we now occupy 17,000 square feet of ministry space between the two buildings. But what was once plenty of space to do ministry has now become increasingly crowded. We are over capacity in our children's areas, and it's a matter of time before that happens in our adult auditorium. To put it plainly, we are out of space. We now have well over 1,000 people worshiping with us at our Germantown campus and upwards to 1,500 in all of our weekend service experiences. And who knows what the future may hold? We find ourselves today facing an unbelievable opportunity, and here's why. We exist not only for those who already call Life Church home, but also for the many in our community who have yet to find Christ and become a part of a spiritual family in a local church. So in order to continue reaching people, we need a bigger place, a bigger home, and not just a bigger home, but a better home. We'll go from a storefront facility that, let's just be honest, doesn't exactly speak excellence to our community from the outside. And we have an opportunity to take what's on the inside and bring it to the outside. But first, let's take a look at the four environments that we can improve through this project. 
Here you see the overall floor plan of the new facility. We'll take a look at all the different areas, but first, let's look at our two different Life Kids areas. Our Life Kids Early Childhood area will have four spacious and age-appropriate rooms, all well equipped with the necessary tools to teach your kids about the Bible effectively. It will also feature a highly visible two-story play place, complete with slides, tubes, and everything your kid needs to burn off a little bit of extra energy. On the other side of the foyer, we'll take the existing auditorium building and connect it to the new construction, renovate the space into a new student center. On the weekends, this space will serve our elementary students, complete with a state-of-the-art gaming area, hangout space, and Mac bar. This space will truly make the time they spend here the highlight of their weekend. On Wednesday nights, this space will be transformed into the coolest spot in town for middle school and high school students. Our 300-seat student auditorium gives us the ability to reach 600 students between the two age-appropriate services. Bottom line, we believe in the next generation, and this new facility reflects that. 80% of Christ followers make a decision to follow Christ before the age of 18, so we know how critical it is to reach these age groups for Jesus. As we move into the auditorium, you'll immediately notice a room with a 38-foot ceiling and no poles. That's right, no poles. We'll double our seating capacity within 800 seats, going up to 900 seats for big weekends. Our audio and video system will take everything to the next level as we communicate the gospel in the most relevant, creative way possible. As you walk into the foyer, you will see that we've quadrupled our foyer space which gives us the ability to have much more soft seating and gathering areas. This space will be the main artery to all the various environments, which means no more walking outside to go to Life Kids. We will also be updating our restroom significantly. The question I've gotten from the ladies is how many stalls will there be in the restroom? Well, I'm happy to tell you that our new ladies restroom will have 12 stalls, high-end finishes, soft seating. My only fear is that the ladies won't want to leave the restroom. Now let's head outside and see our preliminary model of what the building might look like. This view is driving in from the south end by the Starbucks. As you pull up, right away you'll see the clear signage on the top of the buildings. Lots of glass, landscaping, and a very welcoming entrance. You can also see how we've completely retrofitted the front of our current auditorium building to give a more contemporary look that complements the new facility very well. As you walk towards one of the main two entrances, you'll see another very cool feature. Overhead glass doors on the front of the building that can actually go up when the weather is nice. So your foyer space now flows inside and outside. On the east side of the building, you'll see the play space that we saw from the inside. This highly visible feature will serve as a billboard to our community. We want people to know before they ever step into our facility that we love kids. I'm so excited to share these preliminary plans with you today. Not just because it's a new building, but because each seat represents someone who has yet to experience life change in Christ. When I look at the play place, I don't just see kids having a good time. I see kids who might not ever experience the love of Christ if it weren't for a church like you deciding to do something about it. God has never been about steeples and stained glass. He's always been about people. But let me tell you, there's a financial need. 
It's going to take all of us to get there. It's going to take sacrifice. To complete this project, we need to raise $3 million. I don't want you to be distracted by the number because what we're doing, it's bigger than that. God's heart for the house is bigger than a building project or a better facility. You see, together, as a church, we are going to go from where we are to where God wants to take us. This is our moment to be molded into the kind of people that God can use us to transform a community. People who are moving from what we can do to what God wants us to do and what God wants to do through us. I'll tell you what my wife Tammy said as we were considering what God was calling us to do. She said, I'm not willing to live at this level of sacrifice for a building, but Aaron, I'll do it for people. I'll do it to see more people reach for Christ for more marriages saved and lives rescued. And that church is why we're doing this. For the people that are yet to be reached and the lives that are yet to be built, that's why I'm asking you to go on this journey with me. We're out of space, but there's still people in this community that need Jesus, and they need a church like Life Church. The question I want you to ask yourself is not what I can do. The question I want you to ask yourself is what can God do through me? Begin asking that question. Let's watch God exceed our expectations as we seek His heart for this house.